Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Identity is one of security's critical weak spots. But why is this? Stolen or compromised identities have been an attack vector for years, if not for decades. And once an attacker breaches defences this way, it's all too easy for them to move laterally and to take on higher value targets. Our guest this week is Chief Security Architect and formerly the Chief Deception Officer at Ativo, Karen Crandall. We'll learn more about that previous job title later on. She argues that the need to access information anywhere and at any time is making identity-based attacks more, not less, common. But there are steps security teams can take to close down credential-based attacks, or at least make them harder. I find it it very interesting that for so long there have been credential-based attacks and people have used credentials, they've used it to go to the main identity store with Active Directory and use that as a way to get the privileges and control that they need. And I think what's happened is with all the ransomware attacks that have been happening, it's hitting people in the wallet and people are starting to pay attention and they're peeling it back, going traditional things like access management are simply not securing these credentials and privileges nor the systems that manage them. So what you've started to see, and I'll say maybe the pivot point was around when SolarWinds happened, that people started to go, hey, there was a credential issue, then a compromise of Active Directory, Colonial Pipeline happened, more attention paid to that. And now you've even got uh, CISA in the US that's turned that zero trust pillar around and it started differently before with user and device and now it starts with identity and to me that was a significant shift in what um, was done around identity protection because it moved it right to the front where everybody starts to realize that these compromises start at the credential level and if we can stop there with identities we can stop these attacks a whole lot faster and really mitigate the damages that's being caused so if you look across the threat landscape what percentage, if I was to put you on the spot and say, give me a an initial off-the-cuff reaction, what percentage of attacks either are based primarily around identity or use identity as part of the vector? Yeah. Well, if I go with what the Verizon Dipper report has shared, and obviously I've got a wealth of, of information, they'll tell you that nine out of 10 attacks will use a credential and 60% of them are credential based, right? So again, slightly different numbers or percentages that you have there. But you know, if you really look at it, most people are going to try to trick you into giving up your passwords from your, your endpoint. They're going to look for those stored credentials. They're going to look for that as a, a way to get onto your system, or they're simply going to buy them, right? You know, There's so much stuff out on the dark web today. I get tired of the alerts. It's like every credential has been compromised at some point in time. And you know, it's going to happen. And so if you look at the way that traditional security has been built as well, you protect your endpoint. You don't, you teach people don't click on things, you know, don't turn on macros, you know, don't do those basic primitive things, but you know, we're human and we get tricked and, and they're going to get in. And so now I think the opportunity is use those credentials to get in get your foothold, go straight to Active Directory, gain the control you want to create the backdoors, the control, the permissions, the ability to download that that malware or ransomware onto systems and encrypt them. 
and you start to build a program where it's really hard for the defenders to stop because they've they've put roots in and even if you cut them off at the top they may still be there so i i just i find that everybody is starting to dig into it a little bit and they're starting to get a little bit over the well we've done mfa isn't that going to solve all of our problems where i think the cold shower for everybody is that's not solving all the problems good thing to do but definitely does not protect from this privilege escalation activity from happening or that compromise of 80. I mean, this isn't a new phenomenon by any means, though, is it? No. <laughs> the funny thing is this Active Directory has been around for a very long time, but you know, and, and maybe part of it's just even with the hybrid working that's happening, right? We had our, our castle with our tall walls and our deep moats, and you try to keep the bad guys out, and now everybody is everywhere, and everybody wants instant access to their information. And so, you know, the world has changed, right? We've started to open up things that were closed off before in access, and data's out there in the cloud, and, and things are just different, right? And so you have to take a look at the traditional methods of security and go, well, what's the one constant that rides with us wherever we go. And and that's our identity, right? Our credentials, our password, our ability to log in. Um, but it goes beyond just uh, authorization and authentication, right? Because we've seen so much credential theft and misuse that people have got to change that stance and go, Step one, yes, prevent the initial compromise. But step two is make sure that once that, that compromise has happened, that attacker cannot move laterally. They cannot uh, uh, escalate their privileges. And by all means, please don't let them compromise your active directory, which, which has been a hole, right? It's always been behind that wall, but now they're getting in. EDR solutions are not going to stop them. They're not designed to. It's not that they're bad. It's just they're not designed to detect uh, identity uh, attack activity. And if you look at the access management systems, they are very much about controlling that authorization and authentication. It's not against um, you know, attacks on Active Directory. And so you need to be able to look at how you close those holes and Trying to do it manually by looking at logs and other things, A, it's after the fact, and, and B, that's, that's hard, right? You need really seasoned people that know what they're doing and the time to do it. And now you've got automations that could take easily a work's worth of manual activity and, and do it in the time it takes you to go get a cup of coffee, right? So, so people need to use the tools that are available today to, um, you know, to protect, you know, against credential theft, privilege escalation and, and you know, compromises of their active, active directory systems. But if we go back to the DIBR and other pieces of research around this, would you say that identity-based attacks or attacks facilitated through identity compromise represent a strategic threat to organizations? Are they the sort of thing that could actually break your business? Absolutely. I mean, you think about the disruption of service of ransomware, and, and we know now ransomware is not, you know, just about hitting the big companies. There's tons of them, and ransomware is a service that, that really no business is unprotected, right? You know, they're all, everyone's a target. Um, and so people need to think differently. Um, I, I kind of cringe the number of times that I talk to CISOs, and they're like, well... You know, that's probably more of like uh, sophisticated attacks. They're not really after me or I don't need to be concerned about nation state attacks. And, and it's kind of interesting, even with the whole things you know, going on right now with with the advisement going out to, you know, the UK and to the United States around, you know, what could happen, you know, if, if Russia launches cyber attacks and 
even still, you know, talking to, to businesses and they're like, well, I, I wouldn't be the target of a, of a nation state attack. And, and maybe they would or maybe they wouldn't. But the tactics that these ransomware attackers are using today are very similar to what the nation state actors are doing. They're using a very targeted approach and, and they can they can do it because they can leverage these ransomware as a service kits, which are still fairly sophisticated. Um, they can buy some of the talent and support that they don't need, right? There's a tremendous marketplace on the Mark web that, that cyber criminals help support themselves um, and each other. And it equips them to be able to take even something that's a smaller business, a little less secure, maybe smaller payout, but a little easier to get into. So they're going to go into a blast and they're going to hit a wide variety automated tools that they have today. And um, you may not be the exact target, but you could also be the consequential target, right? And and again, yep, maybe they didn't target you, but what they did still impacted you, disrupted your business, and maybe disrupted it to the point where you can't recover. And that could be brand recovery, or it could be simple business. You know, maybe that ransomware attack takes out your business that didn't have the profitability to be able to make that payout at this point in time. Ransomware has definitely pushed this much higher up the agenda. Certainly boards are taking notice because of the cost and some of the very high profile attacks. Um, is that, from the point of view of someone working in this part of the security industry, is that helpful or is that actually a hindrance and a distraction? No, I, I think it, it's helpful in the sense that that people need to be paying attention. And, and, you know, it's always interesting when you look at the stack of kind of, you know, nice to have versus need to have um, insecurity controls. And a lot of times, you know, people have looked at this as, okay, well, that's a, a defense in depth and a certain level of, of protection that you would put in once you get very sophisticated. And and the problem is trying to get comprehensive um, at the end point and prevent everything and anything from coming in is too hard, right? So, um, you know, you go back to even just, you know, old World War II analogies of, of, you know, if you can't be everywhere, you have to be super strategic and coy about what you do. And you know that they're going to employ a certain um, number of tactics, right? MITRE's done a great job with attack and laying out what these things are. And if you look at the way that the attacker is going to attack, you can start to go, I don't need to know everything, every signature, every pattern, every way of finding them in the first place. But I know that they're going to do certain things when they move laterally and they try to elevate their privileges. So let's set up ways to detect based upon the tactic. And that level of investment in, in the past has been very hard because it's been seen as a need to have, but or I'm sorry, nice to have, but now it's being moved to need to have. And if the fear of ransomware doesn't push them, um, compliance standards are starting to push, but also the insurance, because a lot of that safety net that's been there in the past, um, insurance companies are saying, nope, we're not going to sure, we're not going to insure. We've seen tremendous issues around, well, is it classed as an act of war? And people really need to look at their insurance policies and, and understand what those carve-outs are, because I guarantee you there's a lot of them. So don't assume protected by your insurance. Um, you still may not be, or even if you do get covered the first time, your insurance premiums are going to go through the roof. It's just like having a car accident, right? You know, They're going to go up through the roof, and you're better off to make the investment you need to protect your business prevent that disruption of service, prevent the risk of not getting paid by the insurance company or higher premiums in the end, and just do the right thing to know that attackers 
are in your network. They, they, they are there. You just need to deploy the right tools like visibility and detection around identity to be able to stop them from, from doing the damage they plan to do. And not only that, but there is evidence, isn't there, that attackers will come back to previously compromised organizations as well. So once they're in, they're going to try again. Why not, right? They've already put their back doors in. And if, if an attacker compromises Active Directory, you gain domain control, right? How, how do you figure out? And I, I love going back to the Merck example from years ago that, you know, as the story goes, that because all of their domain controllers were compromised, the only reason they could bring their ships back to port was flying in one that just happened to be offline that they could bring in because that was the only way that they could identify that they had control of their systems and therefore control of their ships. And and we've seen it not just there. Uh, we had another large retail company that we uh, did business with and domain control was lost. And it took them a year to rebuild that. And, and we actually put in some pretty sophisticated uh, decoy um, systems and traps um, to be able to catch because they could not tell people were using legitimate credentials, doing legitimate looking things. Um, but we, we set up a web of, of deception and decoy and we finally figured out where everything was and where all the back doors were. But, um, but working with them and a very sophisticated team, um, it took them about a year to get the whole thing cleaned up, which is, is painful. And that's a big investment. So tell us a bit more about the deception side of it. In fact, you used to describe yourself as the chief deception officer and you're now the chief security advocate. Where does the deception part play in terms of defending a network and protecting identities? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a great question. And, and Tebow Networks is a company that uh, I've been with them for about seven years now. And when I first started, the company was pure play deception, traps, lures throughout the network. And, and uh, as I was explaining it very uh, early on with, I think most people are familiar with Fox News, they're like, yeah, like the chief deception officer, right? And, and that kind of stuck after that. Um, but as the company has expanded, really looking at not only the things that deception can catch with lateral movement, movement, but how an identity-based attack works, it got us um, very much into uh, identity protection at the endpoint with an active directory and, and also in cloud, you know, for in infrastructure entitlement management pieces. So it's interesting when you look at the crossover and, and for some folks that are not as familiar with it, it may not be as intuitive because they still go, yeah, it's, it's traps and lures. But if you look at um, deception the way that Ativo uses it today, it's deception and concealment. And deception is, is interweaving fake things amongst the real. The concealment piece of deception today is really cool because it actually hides the real, act, act, real assets. <laughs> Sorry, easy for me to say. It hides the real assets and then it denies access. So I'm if you look at what's a what's an attacker after, they're after the credentials, they're after the 80 objects, and they're after the data. And so let's hide them from them. Let's make it really hard. You know, you're coming and looking for stuff. Now you can't find what you're, uh, what you're looking for. The second thing we'll be able to do is, A, either again, stand up fake information or decoy, or this is one of the pieces I love the most is we know the attackers are going after Active Directory. Even if you, you listen to um, Mandiant and how they talk about ransomware preparedness, they will state that the reason why ransomware keeps happening is because Active Directory is getting compromised. So let's take what an attacker is going to do. They're going to try to go and enumerate AD. 
We're going to intercept that query because we're going to recognize it is not legitimate. And then we're going to go and we're going to feedback disinformation. So that's going to steer them off the path. But the thing from the attacker's lens, like, right, I trust my bloodhound tools or my mimicats or my PowerShell. I trust all that information. So when the information comes back to me, I'm going to take action on it because why wouldn't I, right? It's always been my tried and true uh, reliable data set. But now we're giving it back fake information that's just, again, going to steer them off into a decoy so you can collect uh, you know, IOC and TTP information off of these uh, off of these things. So it is a incredibly powerful way of derailing the attackers. So hide the real stuff, feedback disinformation. When they try to use it, they steer them off into into a decoy for additional intelligence gathering. And so playing that all back to to the identity piece of it is, we know the first thing they're going to do is is they're going to look for um, those exposed credentials on on the endpoint. So we do a lot of things, you know, clean up the attack surface, get rid of those exposed credentials, get rid of your risks in Active Directory, and then we're going to do that that concealment. And, and we call it data cloaking or cloaking at Atipo because it's the mix of not just hiding it, but um, feeding back fake information and denying access. So let's say you bought a credential um, off the dark web, maybe you stole it, you got it, um, and you, uh, you go to use it. So you've got my Chrome credential, for example, now, and you try to log into my Chrome or about 100 other applications, um, you're not going to be able to do it because it's going to recognize that you're um, not coming in from the application that pairs to that credential store. And so, again, a very powerful way of deterring the um, the attacker off path because even now with the credential they can't they can't use it so that's how the most modern and advanced forms of deception um, are being used today around protecting identities. Are there any ethical considerations about setting up these lures and traps? No, I, you know I get asked that a lot. Um, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> is that illegal or you're going to make the bad guy mad? And and I kind of laugh and say no to both because you're not enticing the attacker into your network, right? We would never advocate for doing that. I mean, some people set up a honeypot outside their network just to see who's attacking them, and and, and that's fine. Um, but if you look at what modern commercial deception is is designed to do, they're, they're, they're already in your network. And what that deception and other forms of... Um, you know, concealment technology to get them to engage is trying to do is is to let you know that they're in your network. And there's really no different than between any other security control and deception, right? They're all working to try to detect that attacker, raise that accurate alert, and then help remediate it as quickly as possible. So no, there's no legal implication. Now, if you decide to take that information and hack back, then you're against CFA and in the U.S. and, and other um you know, laws internationally that say you cannot hack back because you could accidentally hack back the wrong company. And, and you know, it's really leave that to the, you know, leave that to, to the people, you know, law, author, law, uh, law enforcement authorities, governments that have the um, legal permission to do those things. But as far as a commercial business, do not hack back. It's it's generally illegal. You can make a lot of mistakes, and and it's just not the right thing to do. So um, no, it's not illegal. The second thing is is will it make the attacker mad? Well, you know, in most cases, they don't even know that they've engaged with the deception. They think they had legitimate things, but when they go to use them. Um, 
they're not able to successfully advance their attack, but they don't generally understand why. Right. And especially I love the um, and we see this with red teams all the time. Right. You know, they're coming in and the blue team is just giggling. Right. Because, you know, they're going in and, you know, 20 commands later, we've already caught them because we know what they're going to do. And it's it's kind of funny. Just a quick little story on on this one. We worked with a um, a customer, big retail, um, uh, not sorry, retail real estate company. And um, they spent about a day building a huge engagement strategy around um, active directory deception and how they were going to catch them doing different things. And and that was the, the 20 command story, right? You know, the red team came in and it, it took them just minutes to be able to detect the activity. And so it's kind of fun to see how early and efficient it is, but there are also many people that will go, okay, well, let's say we were, we were lucky on that one. Um, we'd say, well, maybe we're good, <laughs> but, but we'll go with maybe the, they were lucky in catching them. So then you build that defense and depth behind it that says, all right, let's set up again, based upon the tactics they would use ways to detect them at the endpoint, ways to detect them at active directory, ways to detect them as they move laterally, both on prem and in the cloud. Cause we know attackers are going to jump back and forth. So Anyway, lots of, you know, lots of information there, but, um, but it's, it's pretty fascinating um, how sophisticated some of this stuff can get, but also how simple we have tons of small companies using this stuff. Well, that's the key, though, to any of these red team exercises. They're only really a value if you build something behind them to improve your security stance for when the real attackers come up knocking on your door. Well, in that case, too, they, they, they kind of said, OK, we, we caught you, but now we're going to let you in because I need to know what else you're going to do. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, this assessment is not over after five minutes, but uh, we need to continue on. And, and it's good. You know, and, and I highly encourage people as they're preparing for the red team exercise. Um, and, and this goes a lot with the, the recommendations that are coming out right now for continuous visibility, right? You know, it is, it's okay, it's good to do an assessment, you know, big Microsoft assessment, maybe once a quarter, every six months, for some companies once a year, but it's very static. And if you look at the dynamic nature of Active Directory, it, it's, it's a living and breathing thing. It changes all the time. Then you start to introduce everything that's going on in the cloud and the massive over-provisioning that's happening there. That's really not enough to keep up with these dynamic environments of what's going on. And so I think just general readiness, people do need to look at continuous visibility at the endpoint, right? So what are what things are changing there and if our bad practices, right? You know, what are, what's happening for stored credentials? What's happening for misconfigurations? What attack paths are there for mapped shares? Just knowing that will um, make the blue team's position and the defender's position stronger. And then if you look at what do they want to do, they're going to want to go straight to Active Directory do continuous assessment of Active Directory. And there's some really powerful tools uh, tools out there. I know Ativo makes uh, one today that is super efficient. Just one, um, you know, one uh, endpoint is all that's needed to be able to, that is, is connected um, to the domain. And, and then you can see everything. So it doesn't tamper or mess with anything, but you can basically plug it in and see where your exposures, misconfigurations are at the user, the device, and the domain levels. So again, very powerful because we know the attacker is going to do privilege escalation. They want to get to Active Directory because it gives them kind of the GPS of the environment. Um, and they need it for the malware distribution. They need it to be able to hide their tracks. So, so 
look at where the easy openings are around Active Directory, and, and they're there because it's intrinsically insecure. So, so look at where those are, shut them down. Where you can't shut them down, that's where you put that concealment technology in so you can hide them, right, from the attacker, those admin credentials you can't um, you you can't clean up, so hide them from the attacker and feedback that disinformation. Um, so get ready for those. You know, get ready for those things. Um, there's some really cool technology around cloud infrastructure entitlement management that's out there today, and that will tell you from an identity standpoint, right? How do you get from that identity to the resources and the attack paths? And then backwards from that resource with all those group policies, who has access? And maybe people are going to surprise you. I'm sure they will because there's you know said to be 95% over-provisioning that's happening in the cloud. So clean all that stuff, get ready, have your identity detection and response systems in place, and you will find your outcome, whether just for your regular security checks or compliance, are going to fare a whole lot better because credential attacks are easy. Right? They're much easier to do and super efficient. So attackers are using them as the choice way of attack. And if you are doing things the traditional way, you're, you're definitely leaving opportunity for them. Have we, though, seen the attacks evolve significantly, especially during the, the pandemic period? And are, are you seeing from the research particular new ideas coming from the attackers or new methods coming from the attackers? What are they doing to get smarter and then from that, how do CISOs have to react? Fundamentally, you know, a hybrid workforce is much harder to protect than everybody that comes into the office every day. Right? You know, and you can have, you know, have everybody sitting behind the firewall and control what kind of devices they're running on, what kind of software is put on those devices, um, you know, prevent them from, you know, being able to do personal things, you know, you know, going out to the internet to all kinds of sites and places. And, you know, early on when everybody tried to, you know, backhaul the traffic in and use VPNs, it, it gave a false level of confidence, but also it really wasn't scalable. So everybody's architectures had to change. And, and with that change came more opportunity for attackers. And so everybody said, okay, well, we're going to make this easier for folks. So let's go down and let's do some single sign-on. Let's add on some MFA. And this is going to solve all of our problems, right? And the reality is, is that that is still good, you know, for the authorization um, and authentication of things, but it still does not um, protect the credentials, the privileges, and the systems that manage them. And so, um, I think what started to happen, and, and again, you look at these major anna uh, announcements, you look at all the um, third party and system vulnerabilities that are out there, they're like, all right, these things are already in your network, right? You've got systems with weaknesses or software with weaknesses that um, are creating opportunity. And you've seen some massive things with like Log4j and the uh, hafnium and uh, attack and other things there just have been massive things that have been um been going on and nobody could have predicted that i mean right you know you're going through your security plans you think everything is good and then part of your infrastructure becomes your weakness so no matter what investment you've made in edr no matter how much you think you have mfa turned on it's not going to protect you so getting, again, the visibility inside the network and also thinking about the majority of the attackers today, especially around ransomware, it is all a credential-based attack and it all involves uh, compromising uh, active directories. So 
you know, again, there's always different ways. I would say 100% of the time, everybody uses the same approaches, but this is the most common way that, that attacks are happening and, and businesses are just ill-equipped to be able to see that lateral movement. Um, yeah, and, and it just, you know, when you hear things, you know, in the congressional hearings and otherwise, it's like, well, it started with one credential and once that credential was compromised, it, it couldn't be stopped. It's like, well, it can't be stopped if you try to use traditional defenses because they're not designed for identity-based attacks. But if you use some of the identity detection and response tools that are out today, you will absolutely be able to see the credential misuse, the privilege escalation, the lateral movement. Um, and you'll be able to detect, most importantly, those live attacks on Active Directory that would, you know, catching them early enough would prevent the major damages that we've we've seen. So I think just people need to think about things differently. And like everything, you have to modernize. Um, hybrid work has forced us to have to modernize and think about things differently. Um, again, I think MFA is a great thing, but it's amazing how much policy drift we still see, right? They're supposed to turn it on. They don't turn it on. Things with admin credentials still don't require MFA, even though they should. Um, but you need visibility to when you've got um, lack of compliance to policies um, so that you can address the drift, right? And, and again, trying to do that with historical or traditional tools, they're just not designed to do that. So I do think CISOs need to put into their budgets for 2022, given that identity is a major attack vector, they need to make some investments here if they, they don't want to become a victim. Caroline Crandall on the need to invest in securing identities and credentials, which she argues is ultimately cheaper than falling victim to a ransomware attack. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, we'll look at mobile security. Are we underestimating the threat? That episode will be live in two weeks' time, and I hope you can join us then. Meanwhile, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thank you for listening.